It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. One of the kingpins or the Babe Ruth, the voiceover, joins us. His name is Harlan Hogan, and he has a book called Voiceover, V.O. Tales and Techniques of a Voiceover Actor. But seriously, there's only one person that has their name on a microphone and on headphones, and you got to be the best in the business. He is with us right now. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks a lot. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Orlex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Orlex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Orlex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. I thought when you said Babe Ruth, you were comparing me to someone who's passed away. So <laughs> No way. I no, feel better I mean, already. <laughs> you, I, no, when you get that Raid commercial and people grew up with that, Kills Bugs Fast and Live Serial, Mikey Likes It, and a million other people know your voice. Um, are you surprised wherever you go that sometimes, wait, wait a minute, you're the guy? You did that? Yeah, sometimes when, you know, it, it's one of those things, rarely as a voiceover person does anyone recognize you. Um, you do an occasional, as I do once in a while, an on-camera thing. Uh, I had a, a commercial for Abibo, which is a cancer drug, about two years ago that ran on the network. And, and you know, you could, it's just funny, like you run one spot like that and people walk up to you on the street. Hey, hey, you're, uh, 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 I saw you on TV. You could do a hundred voiceovers and you <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's true, but you know what, though? It's, it's like a living memory. People, you know how it, you, you combine all this in your book as far as the memories. Like, in other words, going back to the days of, of these familiar jingles that people know, that people, and even today, a good jingle sticks in your head. But back in the day, you know, you saw the next window, jingle singers. You, it was all combined, and it's a fascinating tale uh, in your book. And so, yeah, pretty cool. I mean, people grew up with all, all these commercials that you did. Yeah, it's true. And, and it had occurred to me from time to time, like, yeah. And I, I still hear that from... Mikey who, likes it? Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, I love that. 
that? Oh, one of the best commercials ever. And, and, and in Chicago in particular, uh, as I talked about in the book, it was, was really a, a lot of major package good advertising going mm-hmm. on. So you had S.C. Johnson and Kellogg's and all, and Leo Burnett creating this sort of heartland warm stuff. And then the jingle singers, we, we are we, without, I was going to say arguably, no, without doubt, had the best jingle singers in the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, to think, like you said, the fr- flying the friendly skies, which we all remember, the flying the friendly skies, but to see them. And so, I mean, oh, yeah. that an art in itself, or did you ever say, like, I'm, I'm just going to stick around for a session to hear how they do that? Oh, many times. And I would see, like, for example, the great one is, you know, State Farm, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's mm-hmm. Bonnie Herman with a voice like a bell. And, and a beautiful, lovely woman with this great talent. And she found a great place for herself because though she was this incredibly talented singer, she did not feel comfortable singing for people hmm. you know, going out. And, and she could have had a very successful career doing that. She liked the studio. And trust me, there are never, never will be any tag days either. Because, you know, when you sang a jingle like that, they used it for years and put it on all kinds of commercials and you just kept getting residual checks. But I would watch them, you know, so I'm coming as an announcer and they would be working on a jingle. They were about to do four or five or six of them of the top ones. And they'd just, you know, be out in the lobby and they they all could sight read. They all knew music. They could sight read. And they just start singing. And there's a guy who can't sing. And you go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bonnie and uh, Len uh, Dressman and uh, Bob Bowker, uh, it was, it, they had a group at one time called the Singers Unlimited. And if you really want some great Christmas music, yes, you can still find that album or that CD. See, that's how little I am. You yeah, can't find a real or real, though. But the Singers Unlimited Christmas album, it's all a cappella, and they're so wonderful. So I would tell you a time when I got intimidated. So I show up. I haven't been at it too long. I'm about 30. You know, I started really doing voiceover about 28 or so when I finally quit all my jobs I failed at and became an actor. And it wasn't just to be a voice actor, but that's what I found I really loved and was best for me. So I get this a session for Montgomery Wards. They were tennis shoes called Athletic Skips. Hmm. I show up at Universal Recording over on Oak Street, and they had a number of uh, boots, which I was used to going into. They also had Studio A and B, which were big enough to have a symphony orchestra in. And all the great singers sang in those rooms. And so I show up, hi, hi, Harlan, how are you? You're an A. I'm thinking, what am I doing an A? You know, I'm huge. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go in, and there's <laughs> about a 12-piece orchestra. Oh, my. And Bonnie Herman and Len Dressman, you know, and, and uh, all the big singers are there. Hey, hi. You know, I kind of know them, but you're not a singer, you know. And they say, oh, hi, Harlan, here. And they hand me a lead sheet. I don't sing. Trust me. <laughs> barely make it through happy birthday. You take a crack at it or run? <laughs> it's got notes. It's got words and notes. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I'm in big trouble. So I said, um, um, what's the deal? Oh, are you going to work with the singers? Now, my pulse is racing. And I'm <laughs> sweating, 
sweat, right? I said, okay. Now, we don't want you to sing. It's just talk, sing. And, you know, they'll work with you, and it's, you know, it's rhyme. It really was rap, kind of, if you think about it. Really? And after I got over the, then they were wonderful with me. They knew, I'm, they knew I wasn't a singer and worked with me, and we got it down, and I got through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's this live orchestra, the best singers in the world, six of them across from me, and I'm doing this, you know, athletic skits, but da 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 I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> but you know something, you, you have to get it right on the first take, or I don't know how many takes they give you, but obviously, in all seriousness, they, they obviously trusted you, you know, because you mentioned in the book, time is money with all this, and so, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. you had to get it right, and were you a first take type of guy, did you get it usually on the first take or second? Yeah, it would depend, yeah, a lot of times, uh, and if you're working a picture back then, it was, you know, they had, it was, it was an optical track, so every time you did a take, they, you'd stop and they had to roll the whole thing back. And then you'd go again. And then if you screwed something up, of course, you would think, oh, I can't screw that up again. Of course, you would. And so it was, you know, it, was, it wasn't instantaneous like a computer that you were reading, you know, track you were reading to. So that was a little intimidating. I would say. And there's a commercial on television, too, about like Siri or one of those, uh, you know, and it was... Um you know, they say, Siri, start the car, whatever it is. And then there's an, a live orchestra that's playing. You must, I don't know if you've seen that commercial, but that's literally what you did. I mean, and they, they did it in a fun way. Like who would really be part of a, a live orchestra would play right as you start your car. But uh, for you to live in that world is, uh, is pretty cool. And you're going to say, sir, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that went on back there. And, uh, and it was fun. That was exciting. You know, the people and, uh, we won't see those days again, unfortunately. But uh, see, something I'd like to talk about with that, and you know, technology has changed, and you talk about that in your book, of course, of VO tales and techniques of a voiceover actor. But what do you think that some of the change, even if there have been changes, how have the old things like the reel to reel and some of the other, how, how have they actually could have made it better? Ah. Uh, well, you know what? Every, every, you know, everything is a yin and a yang. You know, there's a, the positives and the negatives to anything. I love being able to work from here, meaning my house, uh, pretty, pretty much worldwide. And even when I have stuff that's in Chicago, very, very rarely does anyone say, oh, oh you know, we want you to be at uh, Chicago Recording tomorrow at 9. They just say, hey, I have a session. Uh, they'll patch in that Chicago Recording at 9. Now, that means I don't spend two hours driving downtown, because that's really about what it takes today to have enough to show up in time and, and not be you know, late, and sometimes you're late with that, and then spend about 40 bucks to park, and then if you're like me, and if, God, in the main, usually if you go downtown, it's because there's an, you know, maybe a dialogue, so there's another actor, well, then you've got to go have coffee. Come on, we don't have <laughs> anymore. Maybe lunch. All of a sudden, you know, you, you have literally wasted the whole day. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. But you know something, the charm of your book, Harlan, is that, um, you know, you, you seem to like people. You seem to like the yeah. business itself. I mean, from all the different facets of this business. And, you know, there are far too many people taking a crack at, uh, at voiceovers. And, you know, they could be introverts. I understand that. But it seems like you, you genuinely like the people that you work with, the whole business. That's true. I did. I loved all the engineers and, you know, everything I know about recording. I didn't get one. I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater, believe me. Um, but I learned it from the engineers, you know. Well, here's how you work this mic. Har. Yeah, like, okay, that one. You know what? Get yourself back six inches and tilt your head up about 10 degrees. Got it. 
you know, you learned from them. They taught you and, and they were great people and you had fun. And there's always, there was always communication going on between the audio engineers and the talent that the producers never were aware of, which was also kind of fun sometimes. Uh, and some code words. I think I talked about that in the book, but the really, really great engineers understood audience management, hmm. understanding that the people from the ad agency were, were not that experienced and that they could, you could take care of the technical stuff. For voices, you and I both know, it's very simple, really, pretty much clean vanilla. We'll mix some music or effects in later, but managing them and their expectations and helping out directing or correcting the talent. Uh, the great ones could do that and make themselves look good and make you look good. The bad ones made you look terrible and make themselves look good. But you know, it reminded me of, of a session uh, driving home from the city. Uh, it was eight, 10, 12 years ago, whatever. But got a call from or a cell phone call from my agent who said, where are you? I said, I'm on Pulaski. I'm heading back home. What's going on? It was about five o'clock. Hey, could you turn around and, and, and go to post effects? Uh, so-and-so has this political spot to do and uh, something went wrong or something was going on, but then one if you can be there. I said, sure, of course. <laughs> you kidding? I'm an actor. You know. Mm-hmm. So I turned around, went back, I walk in. The engineer is Tom, guy I've known for many years. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Hey, Harlan. He introduces me to this nice young producer. Uh, 25, 26-year-old, and she said, oh, hi, Harlan, yeah, uh, our candidate's running for state senate, and we've got the spot, and now we're having some problems with it, so everybody said you could do it. I said, well, I'm happy to do it, happy to be here. Grabbed the script, walked over toward the booth, and walked in. I like to read stuff cold. Hmm. For a lot of direction. I just want to see what happens. Sometimes I get lucky. Sometimes it's, mm, that was interesting, but no thanks. That's okay. I don't want to lock something into my head and then have to fight to get it out of my head. And you don't always know from the script. You know, you don't always think, well, this is really sincere. No, actually, it's ironic and not sincere. So I just like to read it once. Mm-hmm. So I go in and I pick a script up and I look at it and I see this candidate's name. And I froze. I was like, how do I say this name? I'm like, it's a really odd, weird name. And, and, I, and I know they're running for state senate, but even though I do a lot of political spots, I don't pay much attention to politics. I'm like, I don't want to ask in front of her because she's going to feel like, oh, our, our candidate's doomed because this imbecile came in here and doesn't know his name. So I, I look at Tom, and since I know him so well, and this, this is always a code, visual code between actors and engineers, I took my forefinger and pulled it across my neck as if to slice your neck. That means, that means turn off the microphone. They all know that. So I do that, and Tom gets up, chats with him, comes in, and opens the door and pretends to move the microphone around. He said, any problem with the mic? I got it at Harlan, Harlan Height. I said, yeah, I know you do. I'm just, uh, uh, how the hell do I say this, Tom? Oh, the candidate's name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Barack. Barack Obama. Wow. I said, Barack Obama. Not Barack no, Barack Obama. So, okay, don't, you know, I want her to know. He said, no, no, I got it, I got it, it's fine. He was in here last week. He's a really cool guy. Everybody's saying he might be president someday. I said, yeah, yeah, with a name like Barack Obama. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> so that, amazing, wow. That's good on my prostate education or whatever, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So Incredible. 
And yeah, it was incredible. It was actually a great spot. And, you know, he was just starting out and it was great fun. But, and that isn't one of those tips like what I do now, because I work so much at home on anything where there's even the slightest possibility of pronunciation. That's the joy of the internet. You can usually find it. You can find the candidate actually saying their own name, which is really what you want to hear. It is. And, you know, it's not a problem. Back in the day, I'd get something in. I'd Shiner beer one time. I think it's Shiner. It could be Shinner. I'm not sure. Well, you'd call the company. Just get on the phone. Shiner beer and hang up because now you got it. <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, back in radio days, I remember being on the air and, and saying, you know, down in uh, San Jose, Illinois, and the phone lit up like the Christmas tree. What come on, idiot, it's San Joe's. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's San Joe's. It's like Cairo. Come on, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> do people ever just take a chance and they say, look, I don't even care, and, they, and I'll, I'll, they'll let me correct it or they'll correct me later. That's a bad move to make, isn't it? Oh, it's a terrible one, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, the corporate stuff, um, this is long ago a thing from, from Motorola, and they had these teams from all over the world that were competing in some kind of you know corporate thing, you know, where your eyes kind of roll up in your head, but there were these names. I mean, there were Korean names and Japanese names and Chinese, and the only way you could get through it was just insist on it. said, you need to call each one of them and record them saying their name, then I can do it, which they did. So they play it for me, and I write it out phonetically, and you do it, and pray. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> close enough. You know? <laughs> well, you know something. It seems like the ones that are great, and you know, I could say you're great. And it's better for someone else to say it, and other people obviously agree. For plus thirty five years, uh, it seems like attention to detail is that just as important as having the chops or the creativity or the talent. I mean, because. We talked about earlier, you like the people in the business, the business in general, and uh, you got to be agreeable to work with and maybe just understand all the details. And, and uh, is that a problem for someone who may have talent but not really get the whole understanding of the copy or what's going on? Do you, it seems like all the moving parts yeah, you understand. That and understanding people and understanding, and I did, did do some time at an ad agency, and understanding that that script you know, is the product of a committee. So, you know, how you make a horse with a committee, it turns out as a mule. Um, uh, but, but <laughs> where's the, uh, my symbol? Knowing what they're up against and saying, what are you really want, trying to do here? And just understanding that that's, that's probably 99% of the job reading the words are easy. I mean, come on, if it isn't easy for you, what, what are you doing here? Um, yeah. So and, and not being offended by direction. That's where radio people frequently have a problem with voiceover. They're not used to being directed. And they're like, oh, I did something wrong. No, no, they just, they, we're experimenting here. And sometimes you get great directors, one in particular that comes to mind, a political director, I won't say his name, he's very famous, but you'd read a, read a track and he'd say, hey, Harlan, let's, let's sell a little more tell. Now that's great direction. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, but not everybody's that good at it. <laughs> you know? In fact, one of the best directors I've ever worked for, ever, anywhere, is a man named Jack Badowski. And Jack just had this knack of just saying the right thing. Not a long, not a lengthy explanations don't work for talent because we don't know all the backstory. We don't need it. He would just say one word one little thing on it a half second hmm. and, then, and then a breath 
he understood that breaths were, which is one of my pet peeves with actors, is as important as a word, if not more so. I hear that in your work. Uh, obviously, anybody go on YouTube and put Harlan Hogan, you know, and uh, you'll you'll see a whole bunch of uh, spots you've done, commercials, everything. Um, and it, it seems like the nuances of of being a human being or what you were into. And people can notice that even you can get into three seconds of, of something that you've done. You can hear this humanity in it, that it's more than, um, and I'm not trying to people put people down today, but I don't hear that as much in voiceover talent. Well, thanks. And yeah, I think it's too much. Oh, I got all the words out and I, and I pronounced them correctly. And I went up on this word and then down. Yes, on that's that what word. you hear. And it's all both. <laughs> but I'll just finish my thought for a second. Yes. So, so I knew Jack very well and worked for him for a long, long time. We became friendly. And somewhere along the line, we're talking about something. And it turns out that his parents, I, I said to him one time, I said, you know, you give such great direction and, and frequently visual. You know, he'd, he'd say, he'd look at you and raise his finger or calm the waters. It was visual many times. And, he, and I said, you're so good at that. And it's such a thrill. It was a pleasure to work with you. And he said, well, I think part of that is my parents were deaf. Really? And I said, are you serious? And I actually do sign a little bit. So I signed a few things. He said, oh, I didn't know you could sign. I said, eh, not very well. But I thought, wow, here he Grew up in a, in, a, in a world of not audio and yet became a great audio director. Hmm. And if you know sign language, it's visual. You know, so I thought, whoa, it gives me, gives me the shivers. You know, yeah. <laughs> like talk about things coming together and, you know, you wouldn't think that would be good, but it, he, and he was just so wonderful at that. But yeah, and there's actually that I read this sometimes. I'm like, oh, here's a, here's a program that will take all the breaths out of your, out of your readings. No, no, I say no. yes. They have that. No, don't take them out unless they're unless it's. Well, of course you take that. <laughs> there's a little tissue there. <laughs> there's, there's a great story about Bar Barbara Streisand. She's 22, 23 years old. She lands the Broadway part of Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl, and is is just a runaway hit. I'm in New York. You can't get a ticket. I mean, she's she still is unbelievable. They record the album. Mm -hmm. And so they record two or three songs and, uh, you know, and she, she is very demanding and, you know, very, <laughs> it's Barbara's way or the highway, but she records two or three songs. They go out to lunch, they come back, the engineer starts playing the back. It's on like a 24 track and they get about eight bars into it. And she says, stop. What did you do to my song? <laughs> what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Mr. Austin, what do you mean? Play that back. You took the breaths out. Oh, well, yeah. Put them back in. <laughs> oh, boy. He understood that, that, you know, the breaths, it's like a pause when you're speaking or, or you're on stage is, is equally, if not more important than the word. People don't feel like a human being if they're just reading it, try to read it perfect. And I bet that's a mistake even a lot of the, you know, quote unquote pros uh, make. That it's 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 not the nuances. I mean, do you find it half and half? Some people just try to be perfect or fall in love with the sound of their voice, and there are others that are more actors and they they really study the nuances of being human, where they feel comfortable with the breath. Yeah, yeah, and that's the difference between any voice acting and just doing an announcement. Yeah, you're talking to someone about something as much as you can within copy. Sometimes it is what it is, but it's it's too often just. 
oh, I, I got it in time and all, all these wonderful technical things. Well, they don't really matter if you're not talking, you're not communicating to somebody. Because it's all about connecting. I guess that's, that is a problem. I think people think you got to be perfect. And um, I'm sure you've seen that. Someone who may have talent or they, they're welcome to come into the studio and then they just freeze and, and all that great personality disappeared. Where'd it go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they thought yeah. they had to be perfect. Well, and that's, you know, that's, that's the difference between storytelling and just presenting. Yeah, yeah, because talking to you, I mean, and just... The robots, uh, the robots will take away, you know, take away just presenting. Siri does a great job of not having any kind of... <laughs> <you know. laughs> I think you said that in your book, that uh, Siri knows everything about you. Siri knows your relative's name. Siri is dominating. I mean, in, now they have them all in the house. What, Alexa and the Go Google, all that. Yeah. And uh, it all responds to, you know, to voice. And uh, But what about that? I mean, the, the avenues that you had back in the day for voiceover versus now. And um, how would you describe the kind of world we're living in now where, you know, voiceover has, where people have opportunity versus in the past, um, what's gained and what's lost? Well, convenience is gained. And, and, and from a, if you're a casting person, you, you have the, the accessibility to pr pretty much anything you want. Um, you know, very specific uh, Australian accent, not just a, 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 a Yank trying to sound Australian, you just get a guy in Australia, you know, who really has the thing. That's great for them. Uh, as a talent, the internet has opened up the world to you, but it's also opened up the world to competition. So you're competing with everybody in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's a different scenario. What uh, the unions are under, uh, all unions are under a lot of pressure. Um, I understand times change, things happen. Uh, maybe that business model won't be around that much longer. But it's been fantastic for those of us who would otherwise have been struggling, you know, to try to put together some money for retirement or get your kids through school or, God forbid, a family member has an accident. You know, how am I going to pay for this? So the union has served a great, a great. Uh, as a great resource and wonderful thing for a lot of us lucky enough to have been in the business earlier on. Now it's really tough. There's not that many union jobs. And the demands of the non-union, what I see at least, because I, I see them here, is shocking. The amount of money they want to pay, which is next to nothing. And there's certainly no health coverage. In this yes, area. that was the big word. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah that's it's pretty much gone. And uh, and that's too bad, but you know that may be how evolution goes, and everything changes, and there may be a different business model that comes along. But there are an awful lot of people competing for jobs that really don't pay much. And what happens? Well, you know, do people just decide, "Wow, well, this isn't worth my trouble," or, "Well, it's a good part-time gig, something to do." Which that's <laughs> true. You know, honestly, in terms of, of the unions, both Screen Actors Guild and After, and now SAG After, generally speaking, they looked at ads and corporate work as uh, day job stuff. You know, you could do this, or you could work at Trader Joe, and and to some degree, that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can make. I like Trader Joe. Yeah, I like you too, but I don't want to work there. No. But they're very good to actors, by the way. That's one of the best places to work, particularly on camera, um, because they understand actors and they, you know, I have an audition tomorrow, John. 
go, 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 go. We'll cover for you. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of places aren't. Uber is another good one, of course. You know, you can just say, I'm off. In fact, I'll drive the audition, pick somebody up and drive them home, you know, so that's good. But a lot of that security is gone uh, that we had and we're blessed to have. And, you know, when you're young starting out and somebody says, hey, there's a pension fund and you go, like, I'm going to ever need that. (laughs) Then one day you think, oh, wow, look at this. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you have that. Yeah. And, you know, when, when I, when. Uh, we were going through, you know, as, as you should do from time to time, you know, financial planning. The kids were by, off to college by then and figuring out, you know, if something happens to me or something happens to Leslie or how, what you do with all that stuff. And so I went to an independent financial company because along with not singing, I, I don't do numbers. So <laughs> I just wanted to see what we should do. And I'd want to go to somebody who's going to try to sell me an annuity or some nonsense. So I found independent people. You paid them a fee. And they went through all of our finances and stuff, sat down, and the first thing the guy said was, Arlen, you're a dinosaur. What? Yeah. Do you know that? I said, what do you mean? He said, you have two non-contributory pensions. That means a pension in which I contributed no money to. Nice. Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Radio and Television Artists which now that you've been an active actor for 40 years is a considerable sum of money that you did not contribute to and you will get that for life. And they are rock solid. So you, my friend, are a dinosaur. I hmm. God, I'm a dinosaur. Thank you. Because, you know, now it's a 401k or you have to try to I watch my boys trying to figure out, well, I'm going to put some money away for someday. Because, you know, when you're 30, it seems like a million years off. But eventually... Guess what? So, yeah, I'm, I'm so Older. thankful for that. And the health coverage has been fabulous, you know, and I haven't had to worry about that. So it's in back to what you're saying. I mean, it, it's, it's harder now, I think. There's way more competition. And would you like to compete in, the, in today's, like, let's just say it was all pay for play. Forgive me for saying that word. It's a dirty word for some people. <laughs> but let's just say, uh, would you, would you want to get out of the business or say, no, no, I could, I could handle these guys in, 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 uh, in that kind of field of uh, pay to play? Uh, from what I've seen from the pay for play, it's not <laughs> good. It, it, you know, and generally, if you're union, you can't do it. There are ways that you can. Um, you can become, we're not getting too much detail here, but you, 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 meaning an actor, can become a corporation and the corporation can sign the union agreements. And so you can oftentimes take what would have been a non-union job and turn it into a union job legally. You're not, you're still working for scale, you're getting your contribution, and that can be done. At first, the union's we're all, well, you can't do that. And then now, because times are tighter, they're like anxious for you to do that, as long as you do it correctly and fill out the forms. And the only downside is you, you cannot be, uh, you can't serve in any boards because now you're actually a producer. 
Hmm. Not serving on the boards generally is a good idea anyway. So <laughs> that, train, train the energy. It doesn't, it doesn't give you a license to steal, you know, that you can't just go work on anything. But a lot of times it's just they don't want to fill out the paperwork. They don't want to go through the drill. So when somebody says this, you know, can you do this non-union? Well, what is it you want to accomplish? Well, we want to pay you for a year for these commercials to run in this market. But we just want to get billed up front and be done with it. Not a problem. That is not a problem. So their their perception of, of non-union is not necessarily cheaper. It's they don't want the hassle. Hmm. So I have a company. I have a signatory. I have a paymaster. Uh, so, you know, you can handle some of those kinds of things if you want to. But basically, the stuff on pay-for-play that I see is is right off the bat, forget the price. The, 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 the demands are onerous. We want it in perpetuity. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're not going to give you anything. What? <laughs> We want intergalactic rights. <laughs> yeah, because on the moon trip, they're going to want to play this. this. You know, and it's a lot of that. Uh, we'll pay you this, and then we want the, the option in three years to pay you the same amount. They, they pimp you out. Yeah, and you just, you know. So then you decide, you know, it's the old, what do you got three uh, thing back in the, in way before my time. But this ball day is like, you know, when they were talking about unions, which side are you on, boy? Which side are you on? And you have to make a decision sometimes. Mm. And a lot of, I mean, that's situational, and it's also where do you live, and you know what the state rules are, and all of those things. But interesting, and you know all this because you've treated it, and we'll talk about that later, though, as a business. That you make a big deal about that, as you should. That this is a business. You know the legalese and everything else, and uh, it's not just about having a pretty voice. Uh, You have to be the complete package. So obviously, this is invaluable information to people listening here because uh, many are not aware of that. but Harlan, isn't it true though for the pay-per-play sites that that uh, people get more work? Uh, wink, wink, with the Harlan Hogan microphone and, and headphones. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's so funny because an agent I know, uh, and most of the agents now do union and non-union, and we were talking about the state of affairs and you know, blah blah blah. Usual yeah. stuff. He's been around a while. He said, you know, the biggest problem is, I don't know who that was, but some guy came up with this portable booth thing, and then everybody could record in their home. And I, I he should be strung up. I said, thank oh, you. Hi. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> but, you know, it, you're talking about, you know, whether it could be a hobby for some people and for others, yeah. it, it could be a living. But let's talk about the confidence with you because you've been around uh, successfully so long. Did, was there ever a time where you said, gee, I don't think this, uh, I don't know, you know, or where did you get the confidence from right, right from the get go and to be in demand so often? Fear, fear. There's nothing like fear of paying the mortgage to keep you motivated. Hmm. <laughs> Partially, I mean, I, uh, you know, I have a theater degree. I, I paid my my folks paid college as much as they could, and then I I attended school school loans like most people do, and then paid them back. So I worked at a radio station when I was in college, getting a theater degree, and uh, which was good. And, you know, that gave me some income. And I did that for a while. And I got bored with it because radio is solving the same problem over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I got bored with that. Mm-hmm. A lot of community theater. And I got several, several real jobs in the real world, which was really, really good for me because that got me just convinced that I, I wasn't cut out for this. <laughs> right. Your town will find you. I hear you on that. 
Yeah, but all of it, you know, and, and, and something like my mom, who really resembled Aunt B from Mayberry, but actually was very much like her, like, well, you know, someday this will all be valuable. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> of course, she was right. I like Aunt B. Right later, you know, you grow up and you're like, geez, my mom and dad really knew a lot. I thought they were imbeciles. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the failures were, were great. And, uh, and getting, coming within, you know, well, I was going to get fired. So I quit on my last job before they could fire me it was good. That's what I needed. I needed to kick in the butt to get going. And, uh, they you mentioned all, that in your book where the, the boss says, Harlan, I want to ask you a question. Is this really in your heart to do this? And to your surprise, you said, yes, it's in my heart to do this, even though you're working for someone else. And they, well, anyhow, to give it away. They, they gave you a little bit more time and it was like, I think eight months until you started going into full-time voiceovers. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And and he was great. He said, you know, this is what you what you want to do. And he was, you know, I'm sure he's thinking this guy's out of his mind because he'll never make a dime. And actually, <laughs> my wife and I, we didn't have any kids at that time, and she worked. And we had we had a lot of actor friends, obviously, and we you know, kind of did a not a formal business, but sat down and said, okay, this 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 is the plan. And I started getting ready to leave the job eight months before I ever quit took some classes, managed because of the classes, managed to meet my first agent. And then I cheated a lot of my job, you know, and get booked for something. I'd go do it, you know, but I got the job done. And when my boss found out about this, uh, because I interviewed on a radio station and the owner of the company heard me uh, about an act that I was doing at the time, because I also do magic. And uh, so you know, we went to have a cup of coffee and he said, okay, uh, Tell me the truth. What are you doing? I said, well, this is what I want to do. I want to be an actor. I want to do this, this, and this. And he said, okay. Uh, it was a great gift to me. Probably one of the greatest gifts I ever got. His name was Dick Rodnick. And he said, okay, I understand that. That's really what you want to do in your heart. I said, it is. He said, okay. I don't know much about it. I know you have to do some preparation. You've got to meet people. I'll cover for you. I can, no, probably, I can probably buy you six months. Now, you're going to do your job but you don't need to be here in the office doing your job. This is way before internet or anything. I was doing advertising stuff. I could write a script at home. I could write it when I'm sitting for an audition. He huh. said, I meet you seven days a week. So if you need to meet with me and I think I can buy you six months. And he did. And that was such a great gift because, yeah. you know, you, you know, cause starting is tough, you know, it's really hard. And you're just, and then you're younger, and there's a million people your age, and everybody's doing all of those things. But some of what I had learned in my failed jobs honestly came in and made a decision about who was in the business, what were they doing, what could I do better than them. And part of that was marketing because I'd been in Jay Waller Thompson advertising and had been around marketing. And that was a real, real benefit for me. The other odd one that was a benefit was my experience as a failed computer salesman. And I, you worked for Honeywell, is that right? When they failed. I'm talking huge fail, huge. <laughs> well, wait a minute. First of all, it's a, it, I know that was a huge company, and you have to be good to get in there. <laughs> it's just, you know what? They hired me because I do a really good presentation, mm. and that's the truth. And, uh, but I didn't know anything about computers. My God, I can hardly add two numbers together. And they were programming in COBOL and Fortran and all this stuff. And so they hired me and I went to computer school and, and actually learned a fair amount about computers, enough to know that I wasn't going to be any good at it. And, uh, and then sales school, 
you know, making sales calls and coming up with a strategic plan and all of this stuff that I never learned being an actor, being a theater major at all. And so I've got my job, I'm making the rounds, pick up a few jobs, you know, on camera, voiceover, whatever, you know, whatever there was to do and stage. I did some stage stuff and uh, I get called to a Shirley Hamilton agency at like 5, 30, 6 o'clock at night, wear a suit. And um, it's for a place called, they told me, it's a place called Arthur Anderson. I said, uh, it's an accounting firm. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're doing lots of videos, Harlan, tons of videos, because video suddenly you, you could do. Film was expensive, but video suddenly, you, you know, they could do. And they could do all this training, and they'd have to fly people in from all over the world for training. And they wanted presenters who were like my age, 27, 28, because that's who they talked to. Hmm. And so I went to the audition, the people there were, it was live. There was no video at that point, you know, at the agency. And so I did this thing and it happened to be on computers. So I'm talking about circularization of vendors and sys1.jobq and uh, various terminologies that I knew. And you know, take a look at COBOL versus Fortran, blah, 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 blah. And I walk out and as I'm walking down the hallway, a guy comes out and he said, Harlan, from Arthur Anderson. I'm Bill Wildhag. I said, oh, Bill, nice to meet you. He said, I got to ask you a question. We've had like 25 guys in here today, huh. and you're the only one who seemed to know what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I have some computer experience from a former job. Well, you're going to have a lot of jobs with us, my friend. Mm. I, did, I did over 100 videos for them. Wow. Seriously. And that's what got me started. And eventually, I got enough voiceover work going that I had to back off the video, so I grew a beard. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was wonderful. And I thought, oh, my mom was right. You know, God That's the MP prophecy. I was going to say, all this will work together for good. You never know. You, and I always tell my boys that you, something that seems so arcane and you'll never use it pops out of nowhere. And when I could say sys1.jobq, sys1 for those of you who don't know, is spelled as follows. S-Y-S period sign, parenthesis, D-O-T, parenthesis, J-O-B-Q-U-E. If you don't know how to pronounce that, and nobody would, except I had enough computer experience to know it was sys1.jobq. Yeah, and, you, and you wrote it too. I think you probably wrote that in a, and you've done, I mean, you, you kid around about, I mean, failed jobs and so forth, but you've written courses. You've written, uh, you know, it sound, almost sounds like uh, a teacher in you. If you probably didn't do voicing, you probably would have been a, a yeah. professor. To a degree. Elaine Clark and I do some stuff occasionally. I teach out at her place in San Francisco every year. In fact, we teach with quotes, do a workshop and, and, and explore. Um, but not on, not, on, not on performance at all. Just on the business, on strategy, on promotion, which is the thing that I feel strongly about and feel like I know a lot about. I don't that probably you have to be probably patient for that, right? With, a, with, with you know, you're dealing with people with terrible, terrible habits, and you have to keep correcting, and it comes up. And I, I understand that. I mean, yeah. if that's, I mean, is that right? Is probably the reason, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, let me ask you a question: Do you, when you auditioned and and from the beginning, do you know you're good from the beginning? Do you do you just know it? Do people let you know? that you have something special? The reason I ask is that, uh, you know, the people who have it and they know they have it and then it comes back to them, like the, kind of like the Barbra Streisand and people just know she had it, you have it. Uh, other people have to, I guess, 
reach that crossroad where they do this and have fun with it and wonder, do they have it and how long will it take to work at it? But uh, you must have known to make a living at it right away that you were good at this. You know, I don't know. I mean, part of it, as, as I mentioned, like uh, my wife at the time, and I said, you know, okay, we, we, I, doing lots of community theater, which I enjoyed. So that was fulfilling, you know, a need there. Um, I want to go take this leap of faith, but we're not going to be stupid about it. And we came up with some, you know, very basic and, and fairly, uh, certainly reasonable financial goals that if after a period of X years, it just wasn't working. I wasn't going to be one of those guys that just, you know, goes on and trudges on and, you know, has, has a, has a, you know, a, a hope degree. You hope someone will cast you, yeah. hope someone will hire you. Um, I always look, I mean, this is pure luck hitting the voiceover world without even knowing I was at a time when there was a quantum change. We just talked about change. The change was, uh, that they were moving away from the, the big, deep, didactic voices, you know, by now, you know, <laughs> starting to, which I couldn't do then, of course, because I sounded more like that. Um, and I didn't know that, and I had no idea, but, you know, they were moving away. Danny Dark is a great example. He did Raid for years. Raid, you know, this huge thing. I, I Sounds it. good. Oh, it was just fantastic. And, uh, and Hurley, he for craft and all these recognizable names for various things. And uh, at one point, because we did a lot of demos here, and, but they would do the real spots with the guys out in L.A. And uh, Foot Conan Building, they said, hey, Harlan, you know, we had a whole meeting with S.U. Johnson and Reid, and they, want, they feel like they, they've had Danny Dark for years just feel that, you know, he's too old and, and, and not appealing to this audience. So we're going to go with you. Oh, God, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and, but here's, here's a kind of funny subtlety. So I did read for many, many years and head and shoulders and a bunch of others. That was a joy back then. You'd get an account and just do it for years. It was fabulous. Yeah, I, th I was watching on on YouTube, by the way, the Head and Shoulders. I think I one I think one gal she went on to I think it was Charlie's Angels or something. She looked like one of the actresses. Yeah. And what? Uh, and, and I don't know. I thought it was. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I grew up with this. I grew up with these commercials. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and Jason Alexander was for McDonald's doing when when McDonald's had the the container that was cold and hot. Remember that? Yes. Cold side was the stupidest thing ever. We were selling a container, but he's dancing around and nobody knew Seinfeld. Nobody knew yeah. he was famous. And you know, I'm on those spots. Um, it's just you know fun, and some stuff for John McCain too, which I, I'm so glad that I did because hmm. that just happened. And, Interesting. You know, he's a good man. Um, Anyway, we were back on, and of course, I'm drained off now to where we were. Well, you're talking to someone with ADHD, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> you interrupted me. That's I'm sorry. You know, I'm a free. So, 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 oh, so they said, okay, we want you to do, you know, raid, kills bugs fast, kills bugs dead. You know, kind of friendly. That was kind of my thing, young and friendly. And they said, hey, Har, um, that's fine, that's fine. But, you know, we've had... Had that Danny Dark sound for so many years. Could you just, on the last line, do a little? They didn't use the word homage, but a little Danny Dark. So that tagline was "Raid kills bugs fast, kills bugs dead." <laughs> so I went and didn't hear the thud of the of the bug. I remember kills that kills bugs dead. Mm -hmm. I always used to laugh about 
that tagline because if you think about it, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it kills bugs dead. Well, of course, <laughs> it kills them fast. It kills them dead. What are you talking about? <laughs> if it kills them fast, they're already dead. But I never mentioned it. See, there's the key. Mm. The success go, wow, that's great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Here's my address for the check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not my job. And I did I'll say I have worked with enough actors who I just watched shoot themselves in the foot on voiceover stuff. You know, just shut up. Mm. Just some of the best, best advice I ever got was from a working guy. He said, just be a pleasure. Just be a pleasure. It's good advice, though. Very good advice for people. Yes. Yes, in any in anything, but particularly as a performer, just be a pleasure. You know, that's it. That's it easy. must go a long way. I mean, in addition to to talent, because I mean, to be in the business, people remember that. If you're a professional, they they'll remember. But it reminds me of like the Dustin Hoffman, where how difficult he was in Tootsie, and yeah. when he said, uh, you know, the the guy said something like, "I know you were playing a tomato, Michael," and he says, "You want me to walk into the middle of the stage while I'm dying? Why?" <laughs> and he said to him, he said, I will, I, you know, and, and you cite Orson Welles in your book, uh, VO, Tales and Techniques of a Voiceover Actor, that uh, kind of just the opposite. They were difficult with him. And, uh, and I guess that for, he championed all the people in voiceovers that uh, have to deal with people who try to direct and they're not maybe equipped to do that, perhaps. And they were directing a master and, and uh, the response, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, there's a lot of that, but you know, it's it's a job. We're, we're you know we're selling something, and uh, and some people can't deal with that. You know, oh no no no, this is you know the, the, the second coming. My performance, come on. <laughs> <laughs> were you married when uh, at the time that you got into voiceovers? Oh yeah, yeah. And your wife obviously very uh, supportive because I'm sure there's some wives out there that say forget it, no no, yeah, well, you and I do that. I, <laughs> I, I, even though we divorced, um, she was very supportive and, and she did some acting. So, you know, she, she got it and she had done some, uh, uh, written some videos that uh, I had done and, you know, so she in the corporate world. And so we knew some actors from that world and that, that's why we had a really good business discussion about, okay, how am I going to do this and make sure I know when to stop? I know when to start. I'm going to start now, and I'm going to treat it like a business, which I knew right from the get-go, which I did, and promote and market and, and just work very hard at it, which I did. But, yes, she, she was, and that was a gift because uh, you've seen a lot of people with that. Whether it's husband or wife, doesn't matter. The, the other significant other is going, no, 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 you need to have a job. We need to have this. You have to have that. And you need somebody who really understands it's not easy, and it's going to be, you know, you know, a lot of times when you just sit there and you just want to cry, it's just not working. You're not getting the things you think you should get. And, you know, you wonder, well, how come they hired her or him? And it's it's not an easy business. Yeah. It, you know, can't kid yourself on that. Hmm. But have, developing a fairly thick skin is a really good idea. <laughs> you just go, okay, there's one tomorrow. I'm going to worry about it. Next. And have you have you worked every day pretty much? I mean, for the most part, every single day, or, or have you gone? What's the longest stretch you've gone? Well, when it's so funny, but when I was starting out, and I had read a book called Positioning by Jack Reese, and I forget his other friend, Reese and Trout. It's still available. It's a wonderful book about marketing, and it really became kind of a bible for me. 
uh, written, I don't know, in the 70s probably. They, they had done a lot of studies about people and marketing and discovered that most people can keep approximately six items on a list in their head. And you need to be on that list. And the classic example of positioning for them was a J. Walter Thompson product uh, when they were trying to figure out how to position 7-Up. Because they found in, 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 in research with people, people had a list for soft drinks. Okay, They had one for colas. And on cola was what? Coke? Pepsi? Mm-hmm diets now coke pepsi and maybe dr pepper on a good day and then they had another list in their minds of everything else well seven up was on everything else lemon lime and root beer and all these other things and shasta the class <laughs> yeah the classic advertising end around that anybody advertising with any background knows this story like they thought okay we can't compete on this list with 50 60 different things. So what did they do? They took, they took seven up and moved it to the short list by saying seven up the uncola. They ended up on the cola list. Now you had Pepsi and Coke hmm. seven up. It was absolute genius. Yes. Sales went through the roof. So I looked at that, you know, as voice and I said, okay, I, I know who's working in my age group. And, and that's true. You got to be, you know, hey, that guy's getting a lot of work. Well, that guy is, is 45 and you're 29. So you're not going to get his work, but be prepared to get it someday. And so you could look at the six or seven young guys who are working. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What can I do to get on that list? Who do I need to knock off the list? That sounds harsh, but it's true. And sounds like the Godfather. And I, yeah. And I, well, off literally <laughs> though my first wife was Italian but we won't go there we won't. <laughs> okay. yeah. but I read an interview with Joel Corey who was you know, it's a dear friend of mine so he was the guy at the time a little older than me hard to believe but he was the go-to guy which always changes if you're smart you know that won't last forever Joel Corey Joel Corey and I read an interview with Joel and he said Yes, well, how often do you work? And he said, I work every day. And I thought, he works every day. Every day? He has a, a voice job every day? Oh, God, I got to be Joel Corey. I mean, I was, I was, I was, you know, that was my goal. Definitely, was, yeah. Yeah. And there was another guy named Bob Holtz who was kind of the go-to young guy. And I like Bob, but he was my target. And. I knew I had to promote enough and do more than him and meet more people than him and make you know and, and just do a better job of marketing. He, and I knew it is one of his weakness was that he wanted to direct everything. That was a real weakness. And I knew that. And people got bored with him in the studio because he wanted to do 72 takes. Oh my. He was a talented guy, but was, well, let me do one more. Let me do another one. When he did an on-camera thing, he would show up with like 10 suits. So he had a little issue. OCD or something. So I, knew, I knew, you know, and we were very competitive. So if you're smart, you do, you, you do the opposite. Come in. Thank you very much. Anything else you want to do, Harlan? You guys are happy. I'm happy. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Thank you very much. You know, and hmm. that's just marketing. 
It's know. interesting because I'm, I'm sure, you know, when people hear your name, Harlan Hogan, they think it's just the talent. And of course, there's tons of talent, but yeah, I'm finding that it's, it's the complete picture. You've really thought it all out when you think about the people you're working with, the people that you get along with. And the, the good, a good name goes a long way as a good person. Yeah. So I want to ask you something. Um, your commercials stand the test of time. We talked about, you know, hey, Mikey likes it. And by the way, I got bullied to that commercial growing up because my name is Michael, but uh, there's Head and Shoulders, there's uh, the Raid and, and thousands more. But you remember these commercials. Is it the writing, the directing? Is it the voiceover person? How can we remember them? And today, and I thought about it, I can't really remember one commercial that is like, oh, that's a classic. We'll, we'll be talking about that in 20 years. Yeah. It, it was the writing. I mean, you're blessed if you're on something that, you know, becomes famous or infamous or people remember it. That's great. But it, as an actor, that's not, you really have very little to do with it, honestly. Um, they rarely say, oh, yes, you know, the, the life serial. And remember, the, you know, the voiceover was so good on it. I mean, we just <laughs> damn about that. Mikey was cute. And, you know, I happen to get the job. You know, that's about it. <laughs> uh, don't get too much ego going here. You know, they didn't kick me out. Um, and we had those days when Pizza Hut went to, uh, that was really one of my first big TV things that I could call in on. Pizza Hut's new campaign was Let Yourself Go. Let Yourself Go to Pizza Hut. And when I got there, there were 11 contracts on the desk. Wow. They'd gone to 11 people before they got to me. Hmm. <laughs> And they were all the big guys, and they were all like, oh, my God, Jim Dole, and Brad Bisk, and like, I'm just intimidated beyond belief. And I almost gave up voiceover because that was an hour and a half of saying that line, and I thought they were all going to be like this. And <laughs> you, it was blooper soap, and you know what I'm talking about, like, let yourself go. And then somebody come in like, you know, I think it should be more go. Let yourself go. <laughs> You do 15 of them. And how about that go? Uh, hey, Harlan, you're hitting go. Now, here's this is a key. Right, I'm going to give you a real honest to God teaching moment. Your temptation, if somebody's told you to hit and go and you've just done 20 or 30 of them to music and somebody else in the creative thing says, you know, you're hitting go. Your reaction is to say, well, you told me to. You wanted mm -hmm. me to say go. No. You Push go. back. Mm -hmm. You're right. How about let yourself go? Okay, let yourself go. I mean, I walked out there and I thought, oh my God, this is really hard work. I mean, if I can do this. And of course, then, you know, you start doing more jobs and they buy the first take or the second take, maybe the third. You know, that was, that was you know, account people coming in, all concerned. They got this new account and how are we going to do it? And, you know, so number 12 managed to get the job. Um, but the thing is, remember, commercials then ran for a long time. A campaign, you know, uh, head and shorts, because that little lit should be telling you something. They, they run for two or three or four years. That, that's part of why it's so memorable. That the spots were good, but they stuck with the theme. Mm -hmm. Now it's, you know, I, I'm sorry, but here's things like love. It's Subaru. What? the hell does that <laughs> my drive my wife crazy like huh harlan don't start <laughs> back in the tv now, set. <laughs> my wife of 29 years leslie was my voiceover agent hmm. one of them and i could never get her to call, call me back so i married her and um smart yeah, yeah what else would you do <laughs> uh, 
So she knows the business, and, and she'll say sometimes too, like, this is just correct. Look what they sell now. You know, she's retired from being an agent for so many years that she can kind of look at it and laugh. But that was part of it. Repetition, you know, a, a great slogan like, good neighbor, State Farm is there. They I mean, that probably was five, six years that ran or fly the friendly skies. We don't see any of that now. No. Partially, now if it's, I'm not saying people today aren't talented. They are, but the, the, those everything's moving. Everything's moving so quick. So I noticed that. I asked my wife, I said, look, I'm winded watching these commercials. I don't remember back when I was younger that they have like five cuts within a half a second. Yeah. Yeah, they're really quick and boom, bang, and then, and then they change agencies because somebody else has got a better idea. And, and, he, and there's no, there's nothing you can hang your hat on of, of oh, I know what that product is. Then also product, you know, line extensions. And go back to positioning. You know, and it was a time when you could say, well, um, hey, oh, I've gone to the store, buy some craft. Meaning, what? Well, cheese or macaroni. No, wait a minute. This, I do this with Leslie. So, oh, oh, why did the store buy? Blah, blah, blah. And buy some pickles. <laughs> There's 70 different kinds of pickles. I don't know how to pick out a pickle. Les, help me. What do you want? Dill pickle. Dill. Okay, dill. Dill. Well, there's dill. There's organic. There's extra salty. No salt. There's gluten-free. Dill. We have so many line extensions and, and so many products to choose from that there's no identity. You can't just say, go get me. Uh, and it used to be that way. Do you read a script over and over and over and over again and you, where you can see it and you, you just know where the spots are because you've, you've done it? I, I don't, I don't, I don't read. I mean, in fact, I was laughing one time. So one of the rare times I'm on Facebook, which I never am, because to me, Facebook is a place for grown men and women to have invisible friends. <laughs> I, I, I don't even like it either. I'm honest. No. Yeah. I really don't go, but for some reason, I clicked on something for some reason. Oh, it was what they call a humble brag. I love that term. Oh, oh, such a day today. I got <laughs> from Germany to record these commercials for this TV station and in the morning. I had barely time to brush my teeth, <laughs> let alone read the script and prepare myself oh, for my the goodness. performance. Honey, you're in the wrong business. Pick up the damn script, read the words. I read them. I usually know what it's about. You know, okay, I'll give you an example. Okay, this is, this is a humble break. <laughs> well, I do a lot of political. And uh, I love political because you do two or three takes. You're respected for that ability, you know, rather than a lot of times. When go, oh, how long was that? Oh, 32. Okay, we're all done. Thanks, Art. No, 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 no. I can bring it in at 29 and a half. Let me do another take. No, no, we're done. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Um, they appreciate speed and cut to the chase and do the thing. And though most of my career was spent as kind of like likable guy in the politic world, and I don't scream, that's not my thing, but I can get pretty down and dirty. And I love doing that. I love it. I just, <laughs> hey, what like do you mean me, by that? Like the dark side? You know, yeah. What was he thinking? Just another career politician looking out for himself. I love that. <laughs> so I get, a, get a good client. A lot of my political people just send me scripts. They don't direct or anything. I just read them. And uh, so I get this from a guy in Texas that I work for a lot. And it's, it's, it's definitely going down and nerdy on this guy. You know, and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Andy Kim says he's entitled. He's not entitled. He's a tax cheat. So I get this script 
and it says, hey, Harlan, can I get these by tomorrow morning? Thanks. You know, whenever I write a script like this, I think about you. Nobody does disdain. Like, <laughs> yeah, has I, it been I, like a cathartic I, thing where you just kind of, you can have a bad day, you let it out and say, oh, good. I, now I could just let all my, you know, my sass out, out right on that spot. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, I am pretty good at disdain. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, but I'm no, I'm not one to analyze it and read it over and over again. Yeah. Did you have a coach growing up or, or did uh, no. you just, you didn't have a coach? No, there really weren't any coaches. There were some people in Chicago at the time that would teach accents or something. I took some film acting classes from a guy named Rolf Brandis, which was, was great because, in, you know, again, and getting a BFA in theater was all about theater. We didn't know from this film thing. How does that work? So I did do that, but we really didn't have a lot of coaches. I would see in backstage people in New York that had coaches in LA, but pretty much here you just learned it on the fly. Wow. And I was shocked because I was so naive that a lot of those people I heard on the radio and TV were from Chicago. See, I was so naive. I thought those people were all New York or LA. I should do just fine here. Then I realized, oh, Hey, buddy, <laughs> it's just tall cotton here. You're just about to do whatever. You know, there's a lot of really good people here. A lot of really good people. So, but Ignorance is good sometimes when you're young. You just go ahead and do it. And you like Chicago still? People who go to L.A., you never would have. Were you ever tempted? Say, oh, I'm going to go to yeah, actually, I, L.A. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did. Um, I got Wanted to be with in real to real days, you know, the guy who had the, the, the agent out there that had the best, best known voiceover people it was a guy named Charles Stern. And so how can I get, you know, it's very hard even today if you have a New York agent or LA agent, because there's so many people there and they're so talented and they don't really need you. So I, I hired a rep and had her fly out and meet with Charles Stern. Hmm. Okay. And uh, then he, he talked to her and then asked me to come out. So I did an audition for him. And uh, he had on camera and voiceover. And so I had a good relationship with Charlie. Um, he wanted me to move there. And it was, it, that, that was one of those decisions. What do you do? What do you do? And my wife was now pregnant with our oldest son. And the end of the day, by, the, by that time, my work here had taken off to a point where I thought, you know, I'm going to stay here. Then I don't regret that. I mean, things might have been different or whatever, but I'm, I'm happy with that decision. I liked what I was doing here. I have L.A. representation. I have New York representation. But, you know, I like being here. I almost feel like we should pump in the music of Chicago, Chicago. Oh, what a town, you know. My dad doesn't mean karaoke, but anyway, Harlan Hogan has been our special guest, a legend, the Babe Ruth of voiceover, and people know it, and he's got a microphone and a million other things that, you know, he's a staple of excellence, and we are honored to have him on the program, Tales and Techniques of a Voiceover Actor, and he's been the voiceover actor for 35 years, and you know from Raid, Kills Bugs Fast, Kills Bugs Dead, it's life serial. Uh, Mikey likes it, and a, a million more head and shoulders. Uh, if you want to know more and you enjoy the interview, go get the book once again, VO, Tales and Techniques of a Voiceover Actor. How do you put down to just one thing? And boy, it's like a Barbara Walters question. If you had to tell someone in voiceovers that you want to get into this business, what's the one thing in closing that you would say to them? 
you have to find a way to answer this question. Why me instead of him? Hmm. And that's tough. And as actors frequently, because actors are very supportive of each other, which is a wonderful thing, but we still have to know it's business and we have to find a way to have that client say, why do I want to hire her rather than her? And that's always driven me. Find, find a reason, whether it's better marketing, whether it's better performance, you stay in more contact, you know, whatever is the way you work, you've got to decide that if you want to do this as a business, you want to do a hobby and do something once in a while, that's fine. That's fine. But to make a career of it for a long time, why me and not him? Hmm, that's a good answer. Thanks. I mean, it really is a good answer. And people are probably surprised by that. And uh, on a side note, do you, do you ever get like live cereal for uh, for life? Or you ever you ever been graced with like, say, look, you know, you did the commercial and it's aired, but we're going to give you a live supply of X, Y, Z. What does that have been? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'll take it. Take it. You know uh, what? I, was, I, was, I did uh, six commercials about three years ago. Audition came in. And I looked at them and they were in rhyme and they wanted someone, you know, a little older and been around the block a bit. And as I just glanced at the script, I realized, crap. So I went out, Leslie was in the kitchen. I said, let's look at the script. And she said, oh, it's in rhyme. I said, yeah. Oh my God. It's for marijuana. <laughs> I know. And I, I actually got those commercials and did them for the state of Colorado about the safe way to use pot. And I'm thinking in all the things I could think of in my career <laughs> to be the first to do actual pot commercials is high on my list. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, we go from live cereal to pot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, people are cheating themselves if they don't go get the book, VO Tales and Techniques of a Voiceover Actor. Harlan Hogan has shared, he's there, so distinguished, and go look him up because, uh, you know, you shared a lot of, um, of gold in this book, and, uh, and thanks for spending so much time with us and, uh, and sharing your life story. We appreciate every minute of it. My pleasure. Thank you. It was great fun. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission 
to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Orlex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Orlex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.